In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about one woman's journey with her body. This piece comes from our latest body issue. We put this out over the summer of 2023. And my guest editor for this issue was Dana Donofre. Dana and I sat down in the months leading up to this issue coming out, and we talked about what theme we wanted to have for the issue. After all, this was our seventh time doing the body issue, and I found over the years doing Wildfire that it helps to have a theme to center the writers around. So this year, we talked about this idea of the body as a changing landscape. And that really resonated for me because over the years of living in this body, there have been a lot of different iterations, some of them great, like the year that I was pregnant, and other not so great, like, you know, puberty and cancer and all that good stuff. So there's been a lot of changes over the years. And I loved this idea of centering our issue around that idea. And for some people, just the cancer years themselves have represented a lot of changes with an overall body and a time of coming to terms with that. So I'm excited about my storyteller today. My guest today is Anna Wassman-Cox. Anna is a wife, a dog mom to two little Pomchi pups, and she has faced cancer twice. The first time, Anna was finishing up her senior year at Loyola University in Chicago. She was 25 years old, and the diagnosis was stage 2 triple positive. Anna managed to graduate summa cum laude in the middle of her treatment year. During her time in Chicago, Anna was a big advocate for sharing her young breast cancer story, including features in People Magazine, Today, The Jam TV Show, Humor Beats Cancer, and others. She also served on Gilda's Club Chicago's Associates Board. And then, four and a half years later, in May of 2022, Anna was diagnosed with a local reoccurrence. This time she was 29, and this time around she has been more focused on mental health, self-care, and has enjoyed getting back into ballet. She loves how the ballet movement has helped with her recovery and would love to support other cancer patients getting into ballet themselves. Anna now lives in California with her husband and those two precious pups, where they all enjoy beach walks, bike rides, and hiking year-round. Hey, Anna, welcome to The Burn. Hi, April. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So I'm just going to let you get right into it. You are reading a story, like I said, from this year's body issue, and your essay took the name of our theme and was called My Body's a Changing Landscape. After you read, we will chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. 
Okay, Anna, I'll let you take it away. Great. My body is a changing landscape. Words by Anna Wassman Cox. My body is a changing landscape. It has taken me all around the world through my ballet career and supported me when I needed it most during my cancer treatment. Yet, for many years, I turned my back on my body. I fought back hard when it failed me. I first remember this when I was dancing full-time. My first big injury was a stress fracture, which also happened to be my first experience in an MRI machine. Oh, if I only knew that this would not be the last time in this big, loud machine. But after this injury, I pushed through so I could get back to my dancing life, my real life, instead of letting myself mourn what was really happening to me. I turned my back on my body once again when I thought it failed me by ending my ballet career. A torn labrum in my hip was the last straw after years of sprained ankles, more stress fractures, and countless other ailments. So instead of resting and healing and finding ways to love this changing landscape, I ignored it. I ignored the pain. I drowned myself in vodka martinis to numb the physical and emotional pain my body so deeply wanted me to feel. I walked away from my ballet career without so much as a goodbye. Seven years after my ballet career ended, I had turned to binge drinking and partying to cope with pressures of living a normal life and going to school and getting a job. However, I was suppressing the part of my body that yearned for me to move and get back to who I was at my core, a dancer. My body was beginning to rethink how I was living and it showed up as a lump in my right breast. It turns out that lump was breast cancer the biggest wake-up call of all. I was 25 and breast cancer was about to take me on a journey I never could have imagined. Breast cancer was that hard stop that forced me to slow down instead of continuing to push it to its limits and try to make myself normal or perfect. I didn't want to let my body change with breast cancer. I pushed and pushed and thought I was learning my lessons by rushing through my treatment. To the outside world, I beat cancer and I graduated summa cum laude while doing it, and even started a new job six weeks after my final surgery because I wasn't going to let cancer get me down. I avoided thinking about cancer and how it had changed my body and my life. I fought so hard to try to get back to that normal again that I ignored the residual side effects of weight gain, neuropathy, joint aches, and still not looking like myself. It was just like when I was injured during my ballet career and I was always trying to do what was expected of me to get back to normal as soon as possible. But what if I'm not meant to be normal? As soon as I was done with treatment and the cancer was gone, how easy it was to slip back into that old routine of numbing my body. How easy it was to fall back into distracting myself with drinking to avoid sitting with my thoughts or working through the pain of the loss in my body how dependent I had become on just pushing through and ignoring what was happening. I had lost such a big part of myself, barely even acknowledging my bilateral mastectomy that stripped me of a part so synonymous with womanhood. And yet I walked away from that year of treatment like nothing had ever happened. Four and a half years later, after my breast cancer diagnosis, I was pushing my body again, pushing it hard in my high intensity workouts, forcing my mind to work crazy long hours to get a promotion, pushing it to continue drinking even with the joint pain and neuropathy still present in my day-to-day. On May 19th, 2022, my body changed again when I was re-diagnosed with breast cancer just months before my 30th birthday. I asked myself, how could this be happening again? I was numb. I still feel somewhat numb almost a year later. 
I was so close to that celebratory five-year mark that everyone who has gone through breast cancer yearns for. That moment we all hold our breath waiting for since the last day of active treatment. I thought I had moved on from my cancer, but the truth was my body was still holding on, holding on to the pain, the loss, and mourning of who I was before cancer and to who I had become after the first time around. Two times now, my body has fought off this malicious sack of cells, and yet I am now finally finding a softness in this diagnosis. I am grateful that I still have this body with all my scars, injuries, and imperfections, because that is what makes me, me. Since my second diagnosis, I have gotten back in touch with my body, with the parts that I turned my back on for so long. This time, I have made it back to the bar, and I have turned away from the other bar that kept me stuck in limbo for so long, and have opened myself to my body and am focused on healing from the inside out. The best thing about our human body is our ability to change, heal, and feel. I tried so hard my entire life to try to fit into that perfect mold, to look, act, and feel a certain way. Yet there is no one way or perfect way to be in our bodies. Today, I love that my body is perfectly imperfect. Breast cancer may take a lot of things away from you, but if you let it, it can also bring you back to who you are authentically by listening to your body and dancing along the way. My body is a changing landscape. Oh, Anna, that was so lovely. I love that. Thank you so much for reading today and for getting vulnerable with us. And I look forward to chatting with you on the other side of this break. Thank you. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Nikki. I'm from Loveland, Colorado. And I was 44 years old when I was diagnosed with stage 1C invasive ductal carcinoma. Hormone positive, HER2 negative. Uh, upon further investigation, we found that I had the ATM mutation and I moved forward with a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction. Although those feelings have been very hard to process, uh, especially during a pandemic, doing these wildfire workshops have been very cathartic. They helped me to tap into buried feelings I didn't even know existed and open the door for memories that were long forgotten. I highly recommend it for anyone going through the cancer experience and even caregivers. I look forward to doing more of them soon. All right. Thank you so much for the love, Nikki. Love your testimonial. Thank you so much for that. 
Anna, turning back to you, thank you again for your essay and for taking us on this journey with your changing body, your changing um, relationship with your body. So thank you so much for that again. Yeah, thank you, April. It was great to read and share this story with everybody. Yeah, so we, um, for those of you listening, we're recording this now in November. That issue came out in June. Anna, you probably wrote this story maybe in the spring, April, May-ish. Um, my, so my first question for you is, is there any update on kind of how you're sitting in your body these days? Or did it feel still true when you read your story? It definitely still felt true. And and you're right. I think I did write this back in the spring. So it, it's crazy how fast time passes. I... I definitely still resonate with the story and, and the journey that I was on between both breast cancer diagnosis diagnoses. Um, and it it's amazing how time passes and things change. And in reading that, I think it also just held true to that I'm still really tuning into my body in those moments where maybe I have felt uncomfortable. Um, I know when we we talked through this after it launched, a big part was um, kind of on that drinking front. And what am I doing there? And I've actually, I, I haven't been drinking at all this this past year. And in my body, it does feel a lot better. So I'm glad that I've intentionally taken the time to just tune in and listen to it. And I've been dancing a lot. So doing a lot of ballet and a lot, just being active, going on hikes, um, that's honestly been so, so helpful for me during this recurrence. And I'm actually almost done with chemo too. I have I have two more left, um, one next week and then in a few more weeks. So I'm, I'm very happy to almost be done there. But I have to say it's it's been nice having this time. It, it made me realize a lot of things. And, and since we since I wrote this, I've even actually created a program called Onco Ballet where I help um, patients, survivors, anyone who has faced cancer get back in touch with their bodies through ballet movement. Um, and it's really become a big passion of mine. So I, I really just have been leaning into this ballet for healing thing and exploring ways that ballet can be healing. Um, so that's, I think that's probably the biggest update since we last spoke and since I wrote this story. Well, congratulations on all of it. Thank There's you. There's so many parts in there. I love the sound of the Anko Ballet, and I definitely want to talk to you about that. Um, before we get too far into it, I just want to go back to, you know, I'm figuring out how to phrase this, but, you know, the second time cancer comes along, you don't have the benefit of ignorance. Like you've already been down that path. You already, um, have some of the mystery taken out. And I think that that's unfortunate because so much of, I I think I have only been down it once. So you'll have to tell me, you know, how you feel about this. But I think so much of the way that we're able to put one foot in front of the other is because of that ignorance and just having to just trust, you know, our doctors, our bodies, et cetera. In terms of that trust and having to have this connection with your body in order to make it through again, can you talk a little bit more about how it's been different this time, you know, with not not having that gentle kind of padding of ignorance around it and having to really go into it eyes wide open? Yeah, that 
That's a great question and something I definitely struggled with this time. You're you're right. The first time around, you're like, okay, you just go, you listen to your doctors. And I've heard from a lot of people recently in conversations I've had that it's like they just kind of usher you through. And it's like you blink and treatment starts and it's over and you just don't know what's coming because you've never been through it before. Um, and unfortunately, on the other side of that, when you are rediagnosed, it's this moment of all those memories that you maybe even tuned out come back. And for me, I think even some of the harder pieces have to this day still been that taste of like the saline when they first uh, access your pore. I, I can't stand it. And I know um, I'm lucky this time, actually, my chemo is very targeted. So I don't have you know, the worst side effects like I did last time, but I still have side effects. And funny enough, one of those is just triggered by some of those tastes and smells that you remember so vividly from the first time around. And I, I approached this time differently. I took more time. I, I think you're probably also like, wow, you're still in treatment. That's, it's been a long time. It's almost been, it's close to a year and a half, almost two years. Um, and that was, not fully intentional, but also intentional in the sense that I wasn't just going to be okay with the typical treatment plan this time. I got a lot of second opinions where the first time around, I just was so worried about surviving and my health and that I just wanted to get into treatment and done with treatment so that I was okay. And this time, it's almost this realization of, well, this could be a thing that continues to happen throughout my life. I don't know. We'll never know, right? Until until we know. But it, it was one of those things where I I got like four or five different second opinions, and there was just a lot of uh, a lot of disagreement around what is the best treatment plan for me. I am lucky that I did have a localized recurrence, so it had not spread anywhere else. It was just there, so. There was that question of, do we do surgery first? Do we do chemo first? What type of chemo do we do? And as many things are in the breast cancer world, you don't always know, like they don't always have the research. And that's kind of the situation I was in where there is no research really for local recurrences. It's how do you treat them? There's there's no exact science. Oops. There's no exact science for how to treat a localized recurrence. So it's kind of just guessing and seeing what works. And having been through chemo the first time and still having those residual side effects of neuropathy, joint pain, all of that, I I didn't want to put my body through something that was still so harsh if I could avoid that. So that's why the second opinions and how I ended up on a very targeted treatment plan where the chemo I'm on, yes, it's still chemo. It's just very targeted to the HER2 cells. And the negotiation I had with my doctor was, let's try it. Let's see for the first four to six rounds if this works. And if it works and you're having a response, then great. And if it's not, then we need to discuss trying a different type of chemo. So it was a, it was a tough decision. And I think still to this day, as I'm getting closer to finishing, it's, well, am I was it enough, right? Like you always question these things. I think even the first time around I did, but you wonder, um, and it'll always be a question in my mind of, did I do enough or am I on the right plan? But you have to also just trust your body and trust, you know, what's best for it too. And, and I knew for me, 
going through really hard chemo again was not the answer. Um, and I'm sure if it, if it was, I would have had to do it and who knows. Um, but I did what was best for my body and I listened to it and I'm, I'm glad I did. I ended up doing, it'll be 20 rounds of, uh, Cadsyla by the time I am actually done with treatment and it was every three weeks. So that's also why it was so long. Um, I also did 25 rounds of radiation. So that's something new that I didn't experience this time. So talk about that fear. That was actually something that came up when I was about to start radiation where I was like, well, I didn't do this last time. I don't really know. But similar to, I think the first time you just get through it. Um, and then I had a local lumpectomy, which was the same. And I think nowadays I'm a little more hesitant to just go through surgeries, but yeah, it's, you don't have that padding of not knowing and, and you do know. So you, I, I think a lot of this year and having this recurrence actually helped me work through some of those, um, triggers and pain points and trauma that I had from the first time around that I didn't know my body was holding on to. So long, long answer, but it's, you know, it's an ongoing process. It is. And, you know, listening to you talk, I was realizing that, you know, you traded in ignorance for what sounds like empowerment. Like you were able to go into those appointments feeling more maybe sure of yourself and getting those second opinions than you did the first time around or more sure of your particular body and how it reacts to cancer treatment that you obviously didn't have before. And it just sounds to me like you know, you wrote in your piece how you just, you know, you rushed through treatment or you pushed through it and you were just like really focused, I think, like a lot of us on that finish line, like just get back to normal, just get back to normal. And this time around, it sounds more like a partnership, you know, with your body. And we're going through this thing. It's not so much just like head down, you know, push, 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 come what may much more in concert with your body. And I love that opportunity for you to get to do that. Do you feel, am I characterizing that right for you? Yeah, absolutely. You can probably see me shaking my head. It's, it does feel like more of a partnership and letting it be and not, I think also recognizing that as you may know, there's not always a, a normal again. It's just kind mm -hmm. of that new relationship you have with your body and figuring out, okay, how do things feel today? How does my body feel? And it is truly a partnership. And I, I see it more as that this time around mm -hmm. where I've had the time to sit with it and process and just reflect and give myself a little bit more space and breathing room around it too, because not every day, not every minute. Like there's moments too that still trigger me. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's how I'm feeling in this moment. Or maybe in the past I was like, why am I feeling this way? I just, I have to be okay, you know, because everyone wants you to be okay. But it's right. not, it's not that simple. It really isn't. And, you know, I just love hearing you talk about this better connection that you're feeling. Um, I know personally, I'm always hungry for that and striving for a better relationship with my body. And I remember going through cancer treatment, feeling just really pissed at my body. It felt like a betrayal. It felt every time I like dragged it to the chemo lounge felt like, you know, this is your punishment. This is why we're here. And it got harder and harder to do that as the side effects, you know, got more. And I think I almost relished that it was hard because it felt like what I deserved, what this body deserved. 
And for me, I eventually came to this place of realizing that my body and I were on the same team. And I think I had totally lost sight of that. I thought it was like trying to sabotage me. You know, I felt very um, much at fault for the cancer. And it was such a wake up call for me to realize that actually my body is always been fighting for me. It always is striving toward health, no matter what has come along. And and that was a big shift for me. And it kind of sounds like maybe you went through a somewhat similar shift. Yes, definitely. That my body's betraying me and that it's mm-hmm. against me and it's not cooperating how I want it to. That's That definitely was a huge fight for me when I was going through treatment last time. And and even what you said about you just dragged your body to chemo. I Halfway through the first time, I, I remember I hit this wall. I, I actually, I got a cold and that's why. And then it was just 10 times worse. And I remember I was very active in the community and very active with being an, an advocate and talking about young breast cancer. And then I got sick during the middle of treatment and was like, I don't have the energy anymore. And I I just want this to be over and I just want to move on and I want my body to be okay. And yeah, it does feel like a betrayal, but it's once it's kind of done, it's like you you have to take a step back and realize it's your body's still trying and still fighting. And that's maybe why it feels a certain way. But it's I think for me, it was also telling me you have to slow down and just mm-hmm. be here with it and sit with that. So Absolutely. I There's many times where I felt that way. And even this time, I think when it came to dancing, I, I was so upset when I was rediagnosed because I was like, well, that's it. I'm never going to do ballet again. My body won't hold up. I I tried. It's done. And and here we are today where I, I feel like I'm dancing all as much as I can still and, and just doing things that, that actually feel good in my body and, and helping it recover. I love that. So yeah, let's talk about the dance a little bit. You know, I've never practiced ballet. um, And so I'm going to share with you probably a stereotype that I (laughs) that I know about ballet, but it's very, very rigorous and it takes a certain kind of body to do it. So will you um, correct me and then tell me how um, how ballet just plays a role in your life these days, including your new um, endeavor? Yes. I I love that you said that because this is actually the question I ask everybody at the beginning of my classes now is what what's your take on ballet? Like, have you had a good experience, bad experience or just and exactly what you said it? Yes, it can be rigorous. And then also that something I'm actually trying to completely discredit and disprove is that you have to have a certain body for it. Um, mm. I think that every, everybody can do ballet. Um, I, I firmly believe that. And that's what I've been trying to share is that sure, ballet can be rigorous. And of course, like any sport, like any professional athlete, not everybody is going to make it to that level. Right. But people still play flag football or people still play intramural, like, softball or baseball or go swimming just for fun. So I think ballet just hasn't had that moment yet of recognizing that people can just do ballet for enjoyment and for just enjoying that movement. And back to, I think everybody can do it. I There's so many modifications you can do with ballet. And that's kind of the beauty of it where 
I've taught ballet in chairs for people that may have balance problems or mobility issues or seated on the floor where you're like laying down and you can do the movements. Um, So there's so many ways that you can adjust it. It's just having the right teacher to encourage people to do it. And I know historically, I think when it comes to ballet, by the time you're what, nine years old, all of a sudden you have teachers being like, oh, you're never going to be a professional, right? Like you should just give up now. And sadly, that turns so many people away from it. And I hate hearing that like that. It's just it's such a beautiful art form and it you feel beautiful while you're doing it, too. So why are we like telling people they can't do it? Like, of course, anybody can do it. And I think what I, I've loved so much about it is the structure of it, actually. And mm-hmm. in the same sense of if um, just to compare it to something like yoga, for example, like, you know, that you're going to go through kind of the sequence, but it can be done in a different way. Ballet is very similar where, you know, you start at the bar typically in a traditional class, you do your plies and then you do your tendus and to degages. And there's like this progression that happens in the class. And then you get to the center and, and do a bunch of other different combinations too. Um, where I've switched up the ballet class a little bit in, in how I teach it is we do a little bit of warm up, things like that. And of course, there's different types of classes I teach as well. But just making it enjoyable for people, teaching them how to learn a dance and getting them in touch with what they're doing and and just making it more approachable. Um, I know it can just feel, especially as adults, right? Learning something new is always hard for us. And then add ballet to that, everyone like freaks out. Um, so when I'm teaching, I love to have a room that if it has mirrors, we face away from the mirrors. So you're not judging yourself because it really should be about tuning into your body and feeling the movement versus nitpicking yourself in the mirror of, oh, I don't look a certain way or, oh, I don't, my, my, my legs don't look like hers do. And so it, it helps eliminate that self-criticism and that comparison game when you can't see yourself in the mirror, which, you know, the mirror can be mm-hmm. a tool as well in different ways. But um, anyway, so as, as I teach this, it's really just encouraging people to just try and move and and see how your body feels while you're trying these new movements. And for my beginning classes specifically, I I start out very slow with just even how do you hold your hands in in ballet and how do you point your feet? What's like demi point? Like how do you do some of these basic things that maybe are never shared with people when you go into a beginning adult ballet class, right? Where they just expect you to know. But the thing is, only dancers would know that or only someone who's done that before. So it's trying to make it more approachable for people and just make it more relatable to your everyday person who hasn't been in dance their entire life. Um, so it, it, I don't know, it all came out of me just being like, I almost want a more feel-good class where I'm not being nitpicked by a teacher telling me to turn out more, cross my fifth position more or, or do stuff where I'm like, my body's not there anymore. I'm not 12 years old and don't have pain whenever I do anything. And so it's how do you be kind to your body through ballet movement and the structure of the class, how I've set it up is just to help you feel and warm up and tune in to, okay, where are you? How's your balance? And then you learn like a a fun routine so that you feel like you're walking away and you're like, oh, I actually know this. Or if you hear a song, you're like, oh, I know that song. I know this, this dance to it. So there's so many different ways and I'm, I'm working on, 
you know, a wellness ballet class for people that have not gone through any sort of anything. They just want ballet for wellness and maybe just to learn something new and even like breath work in ballet. Like how do you breathe through ballet movement? Because that's mm-hmm. so important. And then of course, the Onco Ballet piece, um, which I've also founded the Onco Ballet Foundation, which helps give back directly to those who have faced cancer through um, subsidizing ballet classes so that people we need, you know, we don't need one more expense, right? Let people try something that makes them feel good, that helps them get back in touch with their bodies, that helps with maybe even range of motion, flexibility, balance, posture, and even just cognitive function. You know, you're always trying to remember a combination or different patterns of how things work. So there's so much evidence that ballet can be healing. And so now, especially mm-hmm. in the Anka Ballet class and through the foundation, we're helping offer this class where it's it's free to anyone who's gone through some sort of cancer diagnosis. Mm, that's fantastic. Thank you. I love everything um, that you just said and just wanted to underscore one thing that really um, felt powerful to me was when you talked about turning away from the mirrors. And I just feel like that's really powerful because we, especially as women, have been kind of taught that all that matters is what that mirror is saying back to us, you know, and like what you said about comparison to others or, you know, does it look right? And I love your invitation to let people separate the visual from like, okay, but how does it actually feel? And the literal turning away from the mirror just sounds like really powerful for that. I love that so much. Thank you. Yes, it's, yeah. It, it plays a big role, and I, I, I honestly didn't realize it either. And then when I go take a ballet class on my own, I find myself doing exactly that, like critiquing myself. And of course, like there's a, a balance, right? Of you want right. to make sure your technique is right, but how do you avoid like more of that negative self talk and comparison game to everybody mm-hmm. else, and and turn away from it to really tune in? Yeah. Well, it's a really good metaphor, you know, for for life um, and also for the cancer life, too, because we have a tendency now to see other people going through treatment or other people going through a cancer experience online or, you know, in social media and maybe beat ourselves up for not looking as good or as healthy or as strong or whatever the case may be. And so just like any gentle reminder to be like, okay, but how does it feel to you? You know, how is it for you? You are the only one living in this body. So you're the only one who can say, and it, it really doesn't matter what it looks like. You know, it's just about what it feels. Exactly. Mm. Yes. All about feeling in your body. Like that's, yeah, that's what matters at the end of the day. Right. And um, and to realize that all these experiences, you know, cancer experiences, other life experiences, dance experiences, it's all part of the grand experience of life. Like none of it is a detour. It, we're just on this path. And, you know, that looks different for for each one of us. Um, so, yeah. Oh, Anna, I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately, we've reached the end of our time. Um, But I do want to give you the opportunity to let everyone know where they can find you and um, your program online. So where is the best place to look? Yes. Yeah. Great question. Um, For Onco Ballet, you can follow the Onco Ballet Foundation at Onco Ballet, O-N-C-O Ballet, B-A-L-L-E-T, on Instagram. And as part of that, I also I founded Movement Point. So that's the 
it, it's a little complicated, but that is the true like ballet for healing with all the other classes. Um, and you can follow that at movement point on Instagram and our websites are same thing. So, um, movementpoint.com and oncoballet.com. Um, I, you know, you're also welcome to follow me and follow my personal journey. It's at Anna Amazing Journey um, on Instagram. So those are the three best areas to find us. And of course, um, on our websites, you can put your email in to subscribe to our newsletter and just get information about when classes are happening. And it's all coming soon. We're working on our 2024 schedule right now. Amazing. I love that. Okay. We will be sure to link to all of those um, places in our show notes. Everyone, you have been listening to Anna Wassman Cox. Anna was here today reading to us her story, My Body is a Changing Landscape from Body 2023 of Wildfire. Anna, thank you again for an incredible story and this conversation. Thank you so much, April. Well, thank you. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young people like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. If you want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories, please head over to wildfirecommunity.org. You'll find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode. You'll find our bursting archives. We've got 46 issues in there now. And you can take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way back to reclaiming your body and your story. And if you got a lot of value out of this conversation, please share it with your friends and family. If you share it on social, you can tag me. I'm at wildfire underscore BC underscore community. You can tag Anna as well at An Amazing Journey. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. All right, here is your writing prompt. Set your timer for 10 minutes, write without stopping or editing yourself. The prompt is to be the owner of a human body is. To be the owner of a human body is. So 10 minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. And if you find that you write best with a good writing prompt, head over to wildfirecommunity.org free. I've got so many prompts for you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.